TCLSports.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Score North Live. On 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North app, Rami Makloff and a rotating cast of Score North personalities in the co-host chair. Judd Zolgad there this afternoon for Hour 1. Matthew Collar will be here for Hour 2. Judd, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you, Rami? Doing good. In Hour 2, we will dumb it down and we'll all learn a little something about student-athletes, what they are entitled to in terms of compensation right now, and what they are trying to earn. And somebody who is an advocate for student-athletes joining us coming up at 1 o'clock for an education on that very subject. Later on this hour, Trevor Bauer broke down every home run that Max Kepler hit off him last year for his website. That might take up most of our hour. <laughs> it is outstanding. We'll get to that at about 12.30, and I will uh, try to squeeze in Rami Does That Hockey before we wrap up this uh, noon hour of the show. But, Judd, did you happen to catch Matthew Collar's column at scorenorth.com and that totally free Score North app, which, by the way, you can listen to all your favorite shows there and podcasts, but it's also your one-stop shop for all written content from scorenorth.com as well from great writers like Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar. Did you catch that column, Judd? I did. I did. Wide receiver position. It was discussing whether or not the Vikings can afford to pass up on a wide on a top wide receiver in the draft after trading away Stephon Diggs. And what a lot of it focuses on, Collar does spend some time looking at what the other options are other than wide receiver and how that pick could be used. But much of the article focuses on Adam Thielen and whether or not, Judd, he essentially can become a solo act and not not be part of a duo not be part of a group anymore be be Simon and not Garfunkel be uh Garf. I don't know uh Justin Timberlake and not Lance Bass be uh um who's the uh uh the kid from uh, One Direction Harry Styles and not Zane Harry Did I get Styles that right? pretty well right Did I get that right Declan be Harry Styles and not Zane I don't I don't know if a Zane's in there Okay um, I think I thought Zane was the first one to leave One Direction But I'm proud of you for making the reference <laughs> Or, or boys, is he Ringo Starr? That's uh, is he Ringo Starr? Or is he, he Garf? Can he not carry a tune? Is he Garfunkel? That, that, that's the question, Judd. Do you do you think? And phone lines open at six five one six four six eight two five five or tweet us at skor north. Do you think Adam Thielen can be a solo act? Do you think he can be Justin Timberlake? Uh, do, do I think that he's going to be a um, a uh, bust without Stefan Diggs? No. <laughs> Do I think he can do it all by himself? And, and coffee went down the wrong pipe there. I, I'm be very not careful. Sick. Do not. All right, I'm not sick. Yeah, sure you're not. I don't, okay, I don't have a fever. I'm, I'm getting out of here. We're in different Declan. studios. De- it can't be passed through video chat. By the way, we're streaming. We live don't know on that. Twitter. Yeah, Twitch, exactly right, Declan. This is a very fluid situation. Coffee went down the actually, wrong pipe. I'm sorry. Actually, Declan, day three. Facial thing not gone yet. No, it's still there, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank yeah. you. I think it might be worse, Dex. <laughs> Thanks. Dermatologist, dude. Awesome. Yep, I do skincare. <laughs> I think they're all they're all probably I think all medical hands are on deck right now. Like Pun Judd, intended. Judd, my knees are killing me. Like I, my yeah. my right knee. I, no surgery for you. I have the same feeling that I had when I had bone spurs in that knee, and my doctor told me that's something that could yeah, come back. Because you're not sitting on your couch like I told you to do. And I and I I I I I'm not even trying to go see a doctor to get it checked out. Like if if you don't have coronavirus or you know you're not pregnant and in if labor, I pitcher, feel like you shouldn't be in the be hospital. You're going to get right Tommy now. John right now, man. <laughs> Come on, they're getting Tommy John's left and right. It's going out of style. It's like going to McDonald's right now. But it was just, Tommy John. But back to my original point: just coffee going down the wrong right, pipe. Okay, I'm okay. fine. I feel great. Do I think that Adam Thielen's going to be a bust without Stefan Diggs? No, I think he will still be good. Do I think that it's going to? Um, 
hurt his production, and I guess most importantly, the Vikings' passing production, as we saw it previously with those two, absolutely. Now here, now to Collar's point and question, here's where I will issue a, a word of caution, and I'm curious if you agree with me on this or not. Do I think it's necessary to try and take some shots at replacing Stefan Diggs? Absolutely. Do I think that you make that a priority where you think you're going to draft Stefan Diggs' replacement? That's where, to me, Rami, it gets dangerous. So, yes, I think you need to draft a receiver or two. If you are high enough to get one who you know is fantastic, that's fine. But if you're forcing it and convincing yourself that a player is going to be great when you're not entirely certain and let's say said player had a good combine, that's where it gets dicey to me. Uh, That doesn't mean that Stefan Diggs can't be replaced eventually. Do I think it can be done immediately in uh, 2020? I don't know about that. I've seen the Vikings try and go down that path before to immediately replace a really good player. I've often seen it not work. Yeah, I think Adam Thielen... I think he he'll put up he'll put up Adam Thielen like numbers even without Stephon Diggs there, Judd. I don't I don't think we're gonna see a huge drop off. You might you might even see an uptick in Adam Thielen's numbers with, with Stephon Diggs not there because you would think that Kirk Cousins is gonna target him and lean on him just a little bit more. Cousins doesn't tend to lean on a guy or target a guy and force it in there because he doesn't force the issue. And and that's he might he might be too cautious at times. That's one of the criticisms of Kirk Cousins. And one of the things that we heard Stephon Diggs was kind of frustrated with that he didn't throw up those fifty fifty jump balls and, and let him and let him do his thing. So I think we'll see a little bit more action going Adam Thielen's way, but I can't imagine a ton more action going Adam Thielen's way because of what we just said. He he'll I don't know that he'll be getting open any more often right. than he does. So I don't know that we can see Kirk Cousins target him a whole bunch more. I was I was reading an article at CBSSports.com about what what the effect of losing Stefan Diggs will be, and specifically for Adam Thielen. And they see an uptick in his targets. They see 132 targets for Adam Thielen next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they project this, how many of those targets he's going to catch, but they have him down for 86 receptions and uh, just over 1,100 yards. Can I stop you? Sure, yeah. How do you project targets? I, I, I don't know, Judd. But does it say? I mean... No, they don't give the formula on how they project. So targets. they're just projecting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I think they That's go interesting. On, I think they go on on past cases okay. of of two two star wide receivers and one getting traded and and okay. the statistical uptick that we might see there, but I'm just assuming. No, they don't explain their formula and how that they got there in this article at cbssports.com. So who, who's going to catch more passes? Dalvin well, Cook, the, see, Irv Smith? That's the thing. I don't think that Stefan Diggs not being there is going to affect Adam Thielen and his production all that much. My concern is more about what it does to the rest of the field and the rest of the production for the offense. Absolutely. Because first of all, you don't have Stephon Diggs on the field, and that's 80-some receptions and 1,100 and some yards that you got to replace year in and year out. But also, I think he takes attention away from the center of the field, Judd. And one of the things that I think that they're counting on is maybe targeting the tight end a little bit more. And Collar talks in the article about Gary Kubiak's offenses and how they do utilize the tight end a little bit more when it's when it's hitting on when it's clicking on all cylinders and they use the middle of the field a little bit more when it's clicking on all cylinders. But how much attention are you giving to the to the side of the field opposite Adam Thielen versus turning some of that attention towards the middle of the field and two good pass catchers that you have at tight end in Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph. I think they see more attention and maybe their their production or at least their their potential to produce 
you you will see take a hit. Maybe Irv Smith is good enough to overcome the extra attention that he's going to get. And you do see rookies in the league, and especially at the tight end position, who make a leap. It happens often from year one to year two. So maybe Irv Smith is just good enough that if there is extra attention over the field, he can get it. he'll find the open space, and he'll get the targets, and he'll get the receptions. But we know what Kyle Rudolph is. I don't think that there's another level to get he's out a of Kyle Rudolph. He's a sure-handed slow guy. Right, exactly. You can target him in the red zone. And we saw yes. Kirk Cousins do that last year, but yes. I don't think he's fast enough or, or good enough at this stage in his career to, to, to take advantage of anything that might be open. Here's my question to you. Um, they love, and I get it, and Delvin Cook plays an important role in this uh, scheme. They love play action, right? Yes. Freeze the defense. You freeze them. Okay, that's, that's really good. I like to see that. But if you go through the logical progression of the play action pass, what does it do? It freezes the defense, so they all stop as somebody streaks by, right? Probably, probably covered by a cornerback, and the ability to hit that player is there. Now, I would argue that the most valuable player that the Vikings had previously in that scenario of play action and defenses being afraid of Dalvin Cook was Stefan Dix. Because Thielen's more of a possession guy, and he can catch the ball deep. I get that. But Stefan Diggs was the guy who was a definite, no-doubt threat, 35 to 40 yards down the field consistently. And it's why he got frustrated with Kirk, because his thought was, throw it up to me, I'll catch it. So if we're going to to uh, run play action to Dalvin and get defenses to bite and get defenses to stop in their tracks, my question becomes this. Who's your consistent play action threat now? So not the short stuff, because Irv Smith, Kyle, Dalvin can do the short stuff. But if we're talking about something the Vikings claim they love, which is that deep West Coast shot, who's your threat now that your biggest threat is gone? BC Johnson? I'm serious. I don't know. I don't, no, I am too. I, I, I don't know. By the way, an uptick in targets for him, too, and receptions. 76 targets and, and 53 I like him. receptions, I like him. according to CBSSports.com. I like him, too, but I don't know that I like him enough that I'm, I'm ready to, to hand over no. the torch of the Agreed. number number two receiver on this team or think he's going to do something to replace the impact of a Stephon Diggs. But Dalvin is here partially partially to, to make play action be a big-time threat. So I, I guess my question to Kubiak, Zim, and Spielman, if I could ask it— would be, okay, your threat in play action down the field was Stefan Diggs. Now that he's gone, what what's your solution? Are you going to try Thielen more? Try and draft a guy? So that's where I get a bit confused about what the end game is here because Dalvin, Dalvin is partially here to open up that deep passing game, Rami. I might have an option for you in just a second, Judd. Okay. We'll get to that in just a minute. But since you brought up Dalvin Cook, you made me think of two points when it comes to Dalvin Cook. And one is that I don't I don't know, but it seems like they're maybe planning on focusing even more of the offense around Dalvin Cook than they did last year, and he was already a huge percentage of that offense in terms of how much he touched the ball, Judd, and he already has a track record of not being able to play a complete 16-game regular season and stay healthy throughout that. 
I don't know that that's a good strategy, especially if you plan on signing this guy to some type of multi-year extension like we've heard. The more you ride him now, the less you're going to get out of him at the at the back end of that contract. I don't know that it's a good idea to to put more on Dalvin Cook's plate at this point in terms of touches and his involvement and the focus that defenses are going to have on him. That doesn't seem like a wise way to go right now. And the other point when it comes to Dalvin Cook Throughout Collar's article, like I mentioned, he talks about the fact that they were ver- Gary Kubiak's offenses in other stops that he's had in Denver and in Houston have been successful with one premier wide receiver, and, and he didn't always have two premier wide receivers, and the offense and the passing game especially was always still very efficient. But the other thing about Gary Kubiak's past offenses, if we're using those as some precedent or some blueprint, is that they never they never paid or invested long-term in running backs. He's the guy who traded Clinton Portis after his biggest year in Denver and then came back the next year and got even more production out of the running back position. If Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are counting on the Gary Kubiak offensive blueprint, let's follow it to a T. And let's not invest big money and long-term investments in a running back who, by the way, like I just mentioned, has a history of not being able to finish 16-game seasons healthy. And that, and you, you just... Hit on to me one of the key things that we've been talking about probably for the last month or so now, which is this. That's why I think what the Vikings are doing uh, this offseason is so confusing because I just can't tell you. I can tell you I like some things, and I do. I, I think that there are some difficult decisions that they have made that people probably question, and I'm like, you know what? I can see that. But what you just said, I don't get it. And why on earth? Dalvin Cook, when healthy and 100%, is a great player, and I get that. But why on earth are you putting seemingly all your eggs in that and the Cousins basket when the Dalvin Cook basket is going to scream, I think, in 2020? If I I had to do my CBS uh, Sports.com estimations, uh, let's say 12 games, let's say three games dinged up pretty severely, and at least one, if not two, missed games, okay? And I can't, I can't sit here and I think tell that's you. That's a fair assumption. But I can't yeah. sit here and tell you off of what you just said to us. I can't sit here and shoot back, well, yeah, but this. No, you're right. Kubiak has a system that seemingly works with interchangeable parts at lots of places where there's not a huge financial commitment made to a name or person. And now it's almost like Zim, because he loves Cook, is saying, well, but no, 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 I want to do this. And so. It's like they is, can't decide which route to take in, in any way, shape, or form. But do you think Gary is telling Mike, Mike, don't worry about it. I can find a guy that can do th- these things. Or do you think that Gary is buying into what Mike is saying and saying, no, you know what, Dalvin Cook is so special that if I have Dalvin Cook for 12 games, it actually now for me in 2020 makes a huge difference that wasn't so important during my days in Houston and Denver. I mean, people change over the course of, I don't know how long it's been since since they traded Delvin, uh, Clinton Portis from, from Denver to Washington, but yeah, people change over the course of that time, Judd, but I can't imagine that it's changed that much that Gary Kubiak had Clinton Portis, and I just pulled up his stats, who played 16 games and had, uh, let's see here, 1,500 yards in his rookie season and then played 13 games and almost 1,600 yards in his second season and then traded him away that he's that in love with Dalvin Cook, who hasn't played 16 games in any of his first three seasons, that he's saying, no, i got to have this guy. Clinton Portis, for those who don't remember or maybe you're just too young to have witnessed it, was a dynamic running back in Denver. 
Denver. And and that was before, I think Gary Kubiak was a little bit ahead of the curve. That was before the NFL started to realize that it wasn't wise the way that contracts are structured in the NFL to pay a running back that big payday after he gets out of his rookie deal because that's when production starts to drop off. And they're not paying you for what you've done. They're paying you for what they think you can do. And running backs tend to not be able to do what they were able to do previously from age 28, 29 on throughout their careers. And especially a guy who in that rookie contract, hasn't been able to stay healthy in three years, Judd. I can't imagine that Gary Kubiak's stance and opinion on the importance of running backs and what one specific running back means to an offense yep. has changed that much since 2003 until now. I agree with you completely. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't. And if anything, what we've seen with um, Gurley, what we've seen now with Melvin Gordon going from the Chargers to the Broncos, we're seeing this continue of these guys who are Phenomenal for a year or two. They get hurt. Their production declines. And and I'm sorry, but you can't make a case to me that I can buy that somehow deciding to pay one uh, um, a huge contract is a good idea. I just, the, the investments of what the Vikings are doing right now does confuse me. The Cousins investment confuses me. If they potentially do a big investment, multi-year contract, for Dalvin Cook, it confuses me. I I'll always say this, Rami, I see positions in this league where you invest. And yes, quarterback is one if you find that guy, for sure. But quarterback, left tackle, cornerback, right? Yeah. And running back is just not up there. And receiver, receiver can be depending on how special the guy might be. But I also don't think... The, the one thing I'll defend on the Diggs decision a little bit is having a major investment in two receivers might not be the smartest thing. I just don't know if the direction that the Vikings are electing to go in makes that decision wise, because if this if this all ends up, Rami, going towards a left tackle, I will reconsider and pull back on my stance. Yeah, that's what I've been saying all along. If they I'm make, with you on that. If they make win win now moves here moving forward with the rest of the offseason make a trade for a Trent Williams say or somehow free up the cap money to get a Jadavion Clowney or one of the other offensive linemen or defensive linemen who's out there on the market or Drake Kirkpatrick who was just released by the Bengals that might be a, a, a low price option at the cornerback position where you need bodies at this point if they start making win now moves even though it's later in the calendar than we would have liked to have seen it it'll at least start to make sense Judd Mm-hmm. As opposed to now where, in so many ways, it looks like they're going down two different paths. I agree completely. That's what's confusing about the Vikings yes. offseason to me, is that in so many ways, they look to be going down different paths. Mm-hmm. But maybe it'll start to clear up. Maybe it will. We can't judge the offseason yet because it's not over. If we were giving it a grade right now, it would be incomplete. Speaking of the offseason and what you could do moving forward, Judd Zelgad. Yes, sir. And I know, I know, I'm getting your hate tweets at Rami is tweeting for even bringing this up. But I'm going to bring it up anyways. Because what else do we have to talk about right now, to be quite honest with you? But Antonio Brown yesterday, Judd. Yes. Tweeted out. Actually, I think it was Lamar Jackson who tweeted it out. Okay. Was working out with the aforementioned Lamar Jackson and Antonio Brown's, I didn't know this before, little cousin, as he put it, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. So, of course, rumors circulating. Hollywood, I love that. Are the Ravens considering signing Antonio Brown? Judd, 
And I'm going to throw a lot of hypotheticals on this. All right. I'm going to throw a lot uh, of hypotheticals on this, I, all right? I deal with them every single day, okay. so I'm fine with all that. Right. Go ahead. You know what? Shoot them at me. Let's put this under the banner of reckless speculation. Declan, can we get the banner of reckless speculation before I get into this? Because this is reckless. This is super duper reckless. I'm reckless speculation. I have no problem with this so far. The NFL is currently trying to figure out Antonio Brown's playing status, which I'm sure is on the back burner with everything else that they're trying to figure out right now in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. If that is somehow cleared up and his legal troubles off the field are somehow cleared up. Yep. And you're able to do some kind of interview slash investigation slash evaluation. Like on Zoom? To see where Antonio Brown is at in his life right now. Yep. And you feel like he's on a better path than he was a few months ago. And he hasn't made headlines for a couple of months. I was just going through his through his timeline on Twitter. He hasn't really said anything stupid or anything controversial in a couple of months. I think since the cops came and got him, right? Other than the fact that he, Marquise Brown, and Lamar Jackson were hugging at their workout yesterday. All the three of them had their arms around each other in a time of social distancing and a viral pandemic going up. That's the that's the most controversial thing that Antonio Brown has done in the last few months is put his arm around Lamar Jackson you know and what? his cousin. If I'm Baltimore, get away from my quarterback. <laughs> and I'm serious. I'd go get Lamar and be like, uh-uh. What are you doing? No. I don't care if anyone else gets sick. You're not getting sick. <laughs> so, let's say let's say all those things all those things are true, Judd. All right. Do you kick the tires on potentially bringing in Antonio Brown? I feel bad to do this because I, this is a fun talker and I'm about to be a complete killjoy. But if I just traded Stefan Diggs because he, he was high maintenance and Antonio Brown a, a year ago personally scared me and now it's it's been more toxic. I'm not asking you to be Mike Zimmer. Year. I'm not I'm asking you Judd Zolgat. No, I don't. No, no, no. You don't. I, I think I'd rather draft one and take my chances because with Antonio Brown now, to me we we have entered the not not if but the when. So if I sign him and he is on his best behavior for two months, three months in, it's going to go wrong. So no, I can't do it. I can't do it because there's just too much now. I I would rather take the chance with trying to develop a kid because I feel like you'd get to November or something and it would blow up and things would go wrong and he would either be suspended by you or the league and then you lose him. And plus, here's the other problem too. But how about oh, here? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to give you the. I'm going to give you, and this is really sad. I'm going to give you a primary reason why, just as a football player, I can't sign him. Kirk Cousins, he'd turn on him in a second. Mm. Stefan Diggs got mad. Now Stefan Diggs can get mad. I get that. I don't think that he's a diva, but he definitely can be considered uh, skewing. And it's. Funny, because a year ago we said he wasn't, but he definitely could be considered skewing the past year to high maintenance. Yeah, remember when that whole Antonio Brown thing was going down like, last thank year? God and Stephon Vikings fans yeah. were like, thank God we don't yeah. have diva wide receivers here. Whoops. I think we did that talker for a show. <laughs> um, and now we look pretty stupid. But anyway, the point being is, my number one thing is, I don't think I, I can't put Antonio Brown with Cousins because I know how Diggs reacted when he didn't get the ball enough from Cousins. I can only imagine what Antonio Brown, once he feels emboldened, would do. Everything you're saying is true. <laughs> but you're going to do it. And I'm not saying I would sign him. <laughs> but you're doing it. I'm saying if the NFL cleared him. You're kicking some serious tires, I would kick. You? I would kick some tires. Because, Judd. But I mean serious tires. Yeah. Because, Judd, it's it's so low risk. 
at this point, Antonio Brown is not getting a premier wide receiver contract. When you talk about the potential for suspension, right. distraction, blah, 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 at the slightest hint of something, with the contract that he's going to have to resign himself to, if and when he signs an NFL contract again, mm-hmm. you'll be able to get out of it with no, almost no money cost whatsoever. Almost no cost whatsoever at the slightest whiff of a problem from Antonio Brown. But what if Brown. he's playing, but, but what if you sign him and he comes in and he's playing pretty well and now you get to that October 17th or November 17th game and Kirk doesn't get him you the ball? You have to be very clear with Antonio Brown and with the fans from day one that it's a zero-tolerance policy. Don't be upset if this thing is going smooth for eight, nine weeks and Antonio Brown acts a fool and we got to cut him. We're telling you right now that's a possibility. We're bringing him in with a zero. Like you say that at the opening press conference, and I know that be I know that'd be an unprecedented thing to say at the opening press conference. But he's sort of an unprecedented circumstance. I'm not saying I would sign him. I'm saying I would explore the possibility. And this is going to get heavy for a second here, Judd. But part of the reason why is because something that I'm a big advocate of. And I'm not excusing everything that Antonio Brown has done or is excused of doing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the guy has been dealing with some mental illness. And oh, sure. I'm always very cautious. I don't know that for a fact. I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose him. But people in that field who have witnessed the way that he acts have said the very same thing. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. I'm, we have too much of a tendency and a habit in American society to throw away people with mental illness because of things that they did when they were not even in their right mind. And I think it's important that in cases like Antonio Brown's or any other case, Mm -hmm. that we do give people another chance if and when they recognize their own problem and go out and try and get the help and make their lives better and be a better member of society, a better father, a better husband, a better whatever. You know what I mean? I think I think it's really important Can I play doctor? that we don't treat people as disposable because they have a mental illness. It's very real, and it does affect people's lives in the way that they act and behave. I agree completely, but I'll, I'll play football doctor for one second, and I think part of what makes Antonio Brown have problems is football. That's very possible. I don't think it's healthy for him to play. Like, I think he thinks it, it is. I think that there's probably mental health specialists who'd say, no, it's good, but I but it goes beyond Sundays, right? Like, if I could just have him come in on Sundays and play, he might be fine. But I think it's the day-to-day. He clearly struggles with structure. Um, there's just too many, there's too many variables that could go wrong too quickly. And I'm being totally truthful when I say if I had a more sound leader uh, quarterback, I might go down this path, but I don't think I do. You don't even explore it? No, not with this team. And I get your point, and if I had Brady or Favre, and Favre's, uh, when, when Favre was, was here, I, there's probably a handful of quarterbacks who if I had, I probably would at least explore it. But with Kirk Cousins, no, I don't. All right. I'd explore it. I don't blame. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I'm adventurous. I like to explore. You're kicking tires. Yeah, you're kicking tires all over the National Football League. I can't blame you. I go for a hike and I have no path whatsoever, Judd. I just go out in the woods and I just be dangerous. You can fall off cliffs. Follow the walking trail wherever it takes me, and then I I find my way out. Be careful. That's how I roll.
We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, what are we doing on the other side? Oh, yeah, that's right. Trevor Bauer breaks down Max Kepler's five home runs against him last year, and you got to hear this. It's Score North Live on 1500, Score North.